It is a pleasure to be with you, especially as we are wrapping up this series that we're calling You Pick. This is the series that you chose. On Easter Sunday, you had a chance to tell us what to preach on in June. And from 15 different topics, you, uh, we, we kind of narrowed it down to the top five, the ones that you voted on. And we've been talking about each of those subjects over the course of this past month. But as we come to this final week, there's one remaining question, and that is a question concerning prayer. Specifically, do my prayers change God's mind? And so I think it's only right that before we dive in and actually take a look at what God's word has to say about this, that we take a moment to allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the message he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Let us pray together. Lord God, we give you thanks for this morning and this opportunity to come together as a family of faith, to worship together, especially as we tackle a challenging subject and that question of prayer. Do our prayers change your mind? Lord, we thank you that your word helps us to understand really what prayer is, to understand what it means to talk with you. And so we ask this morning, as we come before that word, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. You would help us to understand what it is you are speaking to us, that we would have open hearts and minds to receive that message. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Plug it back in one more time, guys. Let's see if this will work. All right, we're going to try this. See if that my prayers have been answered about our clicker. Apparently not. So again, we're going to have Lyle is going to be uh, an ace and is going to follow along with me from the back. This is what happens sometimes uh, when you got a keynote, um, but that's okay. We're just going to roll with it. Let's, let's talk, though, about this question. Our big question for this morning is, do my prayers change God's mind? And I think as we wrestle with that question for a moment, we have to really, uh, we have to come to terms first and foremost with what prayer is. What exactly is prayer? Because I think how we answer that question is really dependent upon how we understand what prayer is and what it means to, to be in right relationship with God. See, many times when I talk to people about prayer, uh, I hear a couple of different things. One is, some people will say, well, I don't like praying out loud or I don't like praying in my small group and stuff like that because I don't know how to do it. I don't know if I'm doing it right. Other times I hear people say things just like, well, why pray? God already knows, you know, what, what I'm going to ask him for. Others will say, well, yeah, I've been praying and praying and praying for this one thing, and it's never actually happened. It's never actually come about, so, so what's the point? But I think with each of these things, we have a vision of what prayer is that is really out of step with what God tells us about it in Scripture. I think for many of us, when it comes to prayer, whether we would say it this bluntly or not, we tend to kind of approach prayer the same way we would approach a vending machine. We think that there's some sort of special formula to prayer, right? And that if I do the formula right and I put in my prayers, out will pop God's answer to my request. Now, we might not say it that crassly or that bluntly, but I do think that we have this kind of utilitarian notion of prayer, that I only come to prayer when I need something from God, and, and I get frustrated when he doesn't answer it in the way or the timing that I would prefer. But I want us to take a step back for a second and, and ask the question, what if we treated all of our other relationships that way? I mean, how well would my marriage go if I only talked to my wife when I wanted something from her? How about my family? The only time we, we chat is when I want something from them. That's the only time we ever speak to one another is when I have a particular request. How about my friends? 
Well, first and foremost, I don't think I'd be married. I think my parents would have disowned me, and I wouldn't have any friends if that was how I treated my relationships. Because of the fact that we don't treat our relationships this way, right? We don't just come to people, our, our loved ones, and only talk to them when we want something. Furthermore, we don't get frustrated and, and give up on the relationship when they don't answer us or, or give us exactly what we want in the way that we desire. We know that that's not the way good, healthy relationships work. That in every good relationship, there is always give and take. There is always this dynamic interplay between us and the person that we're talking to. And that our relationship is so much more than requests. And if that's true about our human relationships, why would that be different for in our relationship with God? Why is it that when we come to him in prayer, we think something different about who he is and what it means to relate to him? See, one of the things that I love is I love how Tim Keller in his book on prayer uh, addresses this subject. He talks about this relationship that we have with God. He says, in the Bible, we discover a real and complex God. If you have a personal relationship with any real person, you will regularly be confused and infuriated by him or her. So too, you're going to be regularly confounded by the God you meet in the scriptures as well as amazed and comforted. You see, we know in all of our other relationships that there's so much more going on when we converse with one another. That there are times in our relationships when we don't exactly have our way. When sometimes the other person confuses us, sometimes disappoints us. Many times, though, we, we learn something as a result of being in relationship with them, and the relationship grows and flourishes and becomes deeper over time. And Tim Keller is saying that's exactly the way we should be viewing prayer. Because when you take a look at all the different prayers that we find in Scripture, what we see is human beings in a dynamic, complex, and beautiful relationship with the God who made them. Throughout, you find prayers that don't often sound pretty. Prayers that are often pretty raw. Other prayers that are very beautiful and poetic. Prayers that sometimes come when they're just delighted and excited. Prayers that come when people are disappointed, frustrated, and tired. But in all of these, the one thing is consistent. Each one of these people is relating to God as a person. And oftentimes in those moments, what we see is that is a relationship that only grows and flourishes as they get to know each other. But more than that, if, if for those people who are just like, well, I don't really know how to pray, the first thing that you need to realize is that, again, like any good relationship, prayer is simply talking. It's just learning to talk to God. You get to come to God as you are. You don't have to dress up your prayers. You don't have to use flowery language. There's no magic formula. You can just be yourself in God's presence. But if you desire to grow in prayer, if you desire that that relationship would be nurtured, that you would really come to understand God in a much deeper and richer ways, then a great place to go is to go to Scripture. One of the things I find when my prayer life is, is really, I don't know any other way to describe it, when my prayer life is really vibrant and on fire, it's usually because of the fact that I'm in God's Word. Because it's as I read the prayers of other people in Scripture, as I watch as other people relate to God, that I start to understand what it means for me to have a relationship with Him. It's by hearing God's voice in the pages of God's Word that I learn to recognize Him and talk to Him, interact with Him, and walk with Him. I love how Eugene Peterson put it in his uh, uh, book on pastoral integrity. He is talking about what does it really mean to be a person of prayer. 
And he likens, and he likens learning to pray to the same way that we learn how to speak. He says, when you think about kids and you think about how we acquire language, what we learn is that we learn language by being spoken to. We are plunged at birth into a sea of language. We swim in words. Gradually, we realize that some of these words are directed to us, personally targeted words that name love and comfort. Then slowly, syllable by syllable, we acquire the capacity to answer Not one of these words was a first word. Hundreds of thousands of words for days and weeks and months were spoken to us before we began to answer and to speak our own words. All speech is answering speech. We were all spoken to before we spoke. I love how he says that. He's basically saying if you want to learn the language of prayer, if you want to know what it means to walk with God and talk with God and have a relationship with God, then it simply comes from responding to his word as we find it in the scriptures. That's really what it means to be a student of God, really means to be a student of prayer, is really ultimately to be someone who's interacting with and responding to God through his word. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's really what prayer is. It's a relationship with the living God. We learn what that relationship looks like as we study his word, and and then we're able to actually engage with God in prayer, just coming to him as we are. Speaking to him were the deepest longings of our heart. Talking to him about the, the little th- even the little things that are happening in our days. It's important for us to understand that. Prayer at its heart is about a relationship with the living God. A relationship that he invites us all into. That still doesn't quite answer our question though, right? We still have that question, so do my prayers change God's mind? And it's kind of an interesting question to really wrestle our way through in light of the fact that it's a relationship. Because when you come to that question, thinking about it as a relationship, suddenly prayer becomes far more beautiful and far more powerful than we would have thought before. I actually love what the Apostle James says in James chapter 5. He says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It produces wonderful results, is, another, is the way another translation puts it. Basically, what James is saying is he's saying, yes, in our relationships with God, prayer does actually change things. He's saying that when we have a relationship with God, just as in any relationship with that give and take, there's some movement and growth and change. What he's saying is he's saying that there's, there, there are, what we hear from God's word is that prayer does actually change things. The first thing that ch- uh, prayer changes is it often changes us. That is, as I'm talking to God, that suddenly I find something happens in my heart and in my mind. That sometimes when I come into my conversations with God, I may come into those conversations with a particular agenda. But by the time I'm done praying, I find that that agenda no longer matters. I don't know if you've uh, felt this in a conversation with a person. When you sit down, you may have something that you want to talk with them about. But then over the course of the conversation, it just gets a lot deeper than what you initially intended. Suddenly, what you wanted to walk in talking about, by the end of the conversation, you really realize that wasn't all that important. And so many times as I've spent time in prayer with God, and as I've spent time in his word, praying through scripture, I may come with a certain agenda and walk away realizing that really wasn't all that important. That maybe initially what I wanted, God had a different idea. Maybe what I initially wanted was actually more self-centered and not really God-centered or other-centered. 
Maybe what I realized is that I've been uh, focusing on the wrong things. So many times in prayer, prayer ends up changing our minds. That as we pray to God and we let him speak, he actually transforms and changes our hearts and our minds. There's another thing that scripture tells us though, and that is that prayer does sometimes change God's mind. There are many examples of this throughout the scriptures. One example is when uh, God and Abraham are talking outside the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and God tells Abraham, I'm going to punish these cities because these cities are wicked. These are places of injustice. These are places that exploit the weak. Abraham comes to me and says, but Lord, what if you find 50 righteous people there? Will you destroy it then? And God says, you know what? If I find 50 righteous people, I won't do it. They have this beautiful conversation where Abraham eventually gets them down to 10, and God says, all right, it's my intention to destroy it, but if I find 10, I won't do it. Likewise, in the book of Exodus, when uh, the people of Israel themselves abandon and turn their backs on God, God says, you know what? I'm done with this people. I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to start over fresh. Moses comes to him and says, but Lord, these are your chosen people. What will the other nations say? Surely you must go with us. And he's like, all right, you're right. I'll go with you. One of my favorite examples is in the book of Jonah. Okay, God sends Jonah as a prophet to the city of Nineveh. The city is a city of wickedness and lawlessness. It is a city uh, that is the capital of this uh, horrible nation that basically oppresses and devours its neighbors. It's a city that rightly deserves his justice. And he says, Jonah, I'm going to send punishment upon Nineveh, so I want you to go as a prophet and tell them that their time is up. And Jonah initially doesn't want to go. And it's kind of like, well, why? Why doesn't he want to go? Well, he eventually does. He eventually goes and he tells them, he's like, hey, you guys have been wicked. Your time is up. God is going to destroy your city. And guess what happens? They repent. They change their ways. They ask for God's forgiveness. And then God says, Jonah, I forgive them. I'm not going to destroy this city. And then we find out why Jonah's really upset. He's like, see, I knew it. I knew that you change your mind when people ask for forgiveness, and that's why I didn't want to go in the first place. He's actually upset that God changed his mind. But see, this is one of the things I find so fascinating, is that throughout Scripture, what it tells us is that our prayers are effective. That there are times when God changes what he's going to do because his people pray. The question is, how is an eternal God who has these incredible grand plans... Allow himself to be changed by our requests. I mean, at several points throughout Scripture, it actually says God is not fickle. He doesn't change like human beings change. So, so how do we make sense of this incredible mystery, this, this incredible, incredibly beautiful invitation that God gives us? I was really wrestling with this, trying to think of like what's a good illustration to help us understand this. One of the things that, that I think is important to understand is first and foremost what Jesus tells us about prayer. As I was wrestling with this and praying, the first place he, uh, you know, that kind of came to mind is this passage that we read earlier this morning from John chapter 14 where Jesus talks about what it means to do things in God's, uh, to, to do things in God's name. Here's what he says. He tells uh, his disciples, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they'll do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. See, one of the things that's so beautiful about what Jesus says there is he says, is that phrase, in my name. 
In Jesus' day, when someone was sent in another person's name, it meant that they not only had the authority of the sender, but that they were to do what the sender wants them to do. That they're going to do things according to the sender's will and according to the sender's purposes. And so what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, when you ask for things that are in alignment with my Father's will, I will do them. That there are these incredibly mysterious places in prayer when suddenly we ask for something and it's so in line with God's will that he actually uses that prayer to do it. That's an incredibly beautiful thing, an incredibly beautiful invitation that begins to help us understand, so how is it that when we pray, God acts? And Jesus is saying, well, it's when you pray in my name. It's when you pray according to the will of God. And again, as I started to reflect on that, I actually thought of what it's like to go for a walk with my kids. You see, one of the things that we love to do as a family is when I come home from work, we'll get our shoes on and we'll go for walks around our subdivision. There's all these paths and trails around where we live, and we love going on these walks together with my kids. And one of the things that we'll do is oftentimes when we're walking along, we'll come to kind of like a fork in the path where we have an option. We could go left, we could go right, we might be able to go straight. And I'll turn to my kids and I'll be like, well, which way do you guys want to go? I'll be like, right, let's go right. And I'll be like, cool, let's go right. And then I'll get to the next one, and then I'll be like, so, which way do you guys want to go? They'll be like, oh, let's go left, let's go left. And so I'll be like, yeah, cool, let's go left. And there'll be times when we come to an intersection, and I'll be like, let's go forward. And they'll be like, no, we want to go right. And I'll be like, all right, fine, we'll go right. But here's the thing. I'm letting them make all the choices, but, but I'll let you in on a secret. I know where we're ultimately supposed to end up. I'm still in control of the walk. And I'm confident and able that even in the midst of them making these little choices and and going with them, even in that, if that one particular choice, I'm like, I wanted to go left, but they said, go right, let's go right. I know it's still on the path. We're still going to end up back where I wanted us to go. And I think that if I, as a dad, handling an afternoon walk with my kids, can handle that kind of complexity, I am positive that the Lord of all creation, who is wise beyond human understanding, is able to work with us in the daily choices of our lives and still arrive at his ultimate plans and purposes. I actually think that as a father, he loves to do that. I love when my kids have a choice. I love that they get to fully participate in the journey. I love that sometimes their choices lead us to the joy of discovering something new together. And although I've got the whole map in my head, there is a delight in walking with my kids in that way. And I think that God in his wisdom is able to do that. So that when we pray and we're praying according to his will, he can say, yeah, I'm willing to go that way. Let's do that. But one of the things that I love and what I find is when I look at all those examples in Scripture where God says, I'm going to do this, and someone prays, and then God changes his mind, is if you look at it in light of this ultimate purpose of God, you see that that's exactly what he's doing all along. The story of Jonah is a great one. God is a God of justice. His desire is to bring justice on the earth, to not let wickedness go unpunished. And so he says, Jonah, Nineveh is a wicked city. And for the sake of the innocent, I have to bring my judgment. But then when the people repent and they cry out to God, he says, I forgive them. Why? Because over and over and over again, God says, I don't delight in punishing the wicked. I would rather that they would turn and repent and be healed. 
So that's a beautiful thing is that every time in those moments when one of God's people prays and God says, okay, what we start to see is that it's totally in line with the ultimate journey that God had all along. But he delights in including us and allowing us to be a part of his plans and his purposes. It's an amazing invitation. But we need to remember something. Prayer is a relationship. And there are times when we're talking with God and we bring forth a request and God's answer is no. So what do we do in those moments? What do we do when the prayer that we're bringing before God is, is, is a humble prayer, one that, 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 that we believe is fully in line with his character, fully capable of him performing, uh, ensuring that, you know, um, that it's something that's not only within God's control, but God has a desire to do it and he still says no. But I think to answer that, we need to recognize that we're not the only ones to whom God has said no. One of my favorite examples is what we find when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows the torture that is about to befall him. He knows that he's about to be betrayed by his friends, that he's about to be falsely accused, that he's going to be beaten and ultimately crucified and die. He knows his father. He knows his father loves him, that his father doesn't want to see him endure all of that. He knows the father's heart, and so he goes and he prays. But listen to his prayer. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. See, what I love in that prayer of Jesus is that he fully understands that this is a relationship. And he trusts his Father so much that he can bring his heartfelt request and lay it at his feet and still at the end of it say, but whatever you desire... That's really what I want. That's ultimately what I long for. is not my will, but yours to be done. And I think that that is a beautiful way of really understanding what is at the heart of prayer. Because the truth is, is there are times when we come into prayer and we ask for one thing and God says no. But the reason why is because there's parts of his plan that, that, are, that, that he's performing that we may not fully understand or wrap our heads around. And so in those moments we can say, Lord, this is what I'm asking for, but your will be done. Why? Because God's plans and purposes are always greater than what we as finite human beings can see. What I love about that prayer of Jesus is when he says, not my will but yours be done, is that God takes this dark moment in Jesus' life and turns it into something beautiful. That he transforms Jesus' torture and death and execution and through it brings forgiveness for the entire world. That God saying no to Jesus in the darkest moment of his life leads to an even brighter and more amazing morning as through that moment, God's purposes and plans go forward in grand and astounding fashion. That he brings salvation to the entire world. And so part of praying is learning to humbly say, Lord, I think this is in line with your plans, but ultimately not my will but yours be done. If there's something that I don't see, help me to see it. If there's something that I don't understand, help me to understand it. And in the times in which I am waiting for you, may I be at peace knowing that you have heard my request and that you'll answer it in whatever way is best. So I was talking with Pastor Mark about getting ready for this weekend. One of the things he said is he said, you know what I often pray, Nick? When I'm laying my request before God is I say, Lord, here's my request. 
I pray that you would give me what I've asked for or give me something better. God's plans are always greater and grander and more beautiful than anything that we can possibly fathom. And in those moments when God says no or when God seems silent, we can rest knowing that our God who saved us and redeemed us, who brought life out of death, who brings resurrection from a tomb, the one who through Jesus Christ forgives us, and welcomes us into his presence, is not deaf to our calls. It's just that he has greater purposes than those that we can see. Which is why I loved how Jesus ultimately taught his disciples to pray. He said, and when you pray, pray this. Our Father who is in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, because God is our Father, we can lay all of our requests at his feet knowing that however he responds, yes, no, or wait, is exactly what is required to bring about his ultimate and beautiful purposes. God loves it when we pray. He loves being on the journey with us. He loves even allowing us to speak into how he works by inviting us to pray in his name. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he knows where we're ultimately going to go. And so even if we don't fully understand his purposes, we can confidently pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it means to pray, to have a genuine relationship with the God of the universe, to ultimately trust him in all things, knowing that he is indeed our good father who delights in talking with his children. It's in the name of Jesus Christ who welcomes us into God's presence that we say, amen.